That's not good because you're laughing and this is a very serious podcast about no, millions of people dying. It doesn't need to be dying. a very serious podcast and it doesn't need to be about people dying. And I do think that's something that is an interesting one for this one because it is a serious topic. Um, but I don't want it to just be like us being miserable about it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's still bring the funny, please. Okay. <laughs> Since I haven't got any. Jojo, so. <laughs> coronavac. <laughs> Why am I finding coronavac is funny? It's your face. <laughs> Why is my face funny? Does this look like a face of somebody who doesn't have toilet rolls? <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Are they angst? <laughs> I have got underlying angst. So we're going to talk about the coronavirus anyway and do like a, yes. a little podcast special. And I was thinking about it yesterday when yeah. I went out for an unrelated mission to the shops and everyone was panicking because there was no toilet rolls. It reminded me a bit of the Northern Rock run mm-hmm. in the sense that A, this coronavirus has nothing to do with any diary or anything that would yeah. cause you to use excess toilet rolls. Toilet rolls are made in the UK. There is no shortage of toilet rolls. Yeah. The only reason there are no toilet rolls, I don't know how many times I can say it in a sentence, in the shops is because everyone started saying, oh, there's no toilet rolls. So yes. then everyone started panic buying toilet rolls and now there are no toilet rolls. So it's a self-perpetuating problem that yeah. we've created through panic buying that actually wasn't a problem in the first place, which is what happened with Northern Rock, exactly which was the they had money. Yep. Nobody said they didn't have money. <laughs> but as soon as somebody goes, oh, I'm taking all my money out the bank, everyone says, I should take my money out the bank. And then Cued the business the collapsed. block and yep. it. Yeah, it is, is exactly that. that. It's literally the same. And I just thought, what we need to do is put some common sense, as you know, we are common, <laughs> put that back into the world. And there's something about it being paper as well. Last time it was paper money and this time it's toilet paper. But it's still yeah. paper, it's still the same commodity. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> We're not going to run out of notebooks, are we? Because I'm going to have to pause right now and go to the shop. <laughs> because we will not notebooks. panic buy anything, but is paper chase still open? Tell me it is. Tell me it is. Oh, we can't at the station. We go, not the stationery. <laughs> Why do we need to panic buy toilet roll? <laughs> I tell you what, we're as bad. You know, we, we're saying this now, and we can say don't panic buy toilet roll, but literally yesterday we were all video chatting, and mm. Kim said, oh, there was no toilet roll anywhere. They have some in B&M, and then I thought, oh, I'll travel to B&M and have a look and see if they have any. And then you said, I don't want to get into the panic buy, but if there is some, buy me some yeah, toilet no. roll. It's easily. It is. And see how it's spread. Well, even from Friday to Sunday, so Kim went to the shop and there was lots of toilet roll, mm. and she was like, well, I'm just not panic buying toilet roll. It's madness. I'll just get my normal four rolls. And then two days later, like the panic's caught up with her, mm. and she was out getting an extra nine rolls from B and M. Even though she's mostly on her own during yeah. the week, <laughs> yeah. and in the office gonna... during the week, that's the thing. It is, and I had the conversation with Michael's dad this morning when I dropped the dog off. Um, and he said, um, "Did you manage to get some toilet?" Literally, this was the conversation. Did you manage to get some toilet roll yesterday? And they went, "No, I didn't actually." But you know, like I've got three rolls. I'm sure they'll restock at some point this week. I'll be fine. Emily went got three cupboards full. <laughs> what? You're the reason. You're the reason. You're the reason. So, you know, if you're struggling, why has it become our commodity now? I know, you know it like, literally oh, is a commodity. The tenner for a toilet roll. The, it's become the actual commodity, hasn't it? Drive-throughs. It's exactly that. As a, and as a very sensible person, normally, he's very tight with his money as well. He's, and he has literally gone out and bought toilet roll after toilet roll after toilet roll. But, and you're right, it is self-perpetuating because literally, like, I can't stop, we can't stop saying the words toilet roll. I can't stop thinking about toilet roll. <laughs> No. And actually, I don't know how many toilet rolls I've got in the house, but I feel like I need to get some more just in case, just because at some point in the future, I will run out regardless, obviously, yeah. just nature of the way it works. So my worry is when when I do run out at a normal rate, 
that there just won't be any. So that's what makes you want to kind of pre-buy it. But then you just become a part of the problem. You just yeah, kind oh, of yeah, absolutely. You think I'm going to be the sensible one. I'm not going to panic buy. But then because everyone else has panic bought, yeah. there isn't any left. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. actually, you so just you actually you cut your nose off to spite your face because now you're not going to have it. Do you ever think back to the days when you were just recklessly using like three ply toilet roll <laughs> like it was gone out of fashion? Sometimes I would sit in the toilet and blow my nose at the same time, and you know, just sometimes I would use it to clean the bath. But I couldn't be bothered to go downstairs and get a cloth. She used toilet rolls. It's going to be around forever. We're never going to run out of toilet roll now. <laughs> If you and I weren't properly poor when the last big crisis happened in 2008 and we mm. had money in Northern Rock, yes. do you think you would have joined the queues around the bank to get your money, like around the block to get your money out of the bank? Do you think Probably. that would have happened? It's such an emotional reaction, isn't it? It's the panic and it's the emotion around it of, you know, well, actually, what happens when the money runs out and I don't have it? People didn't know that at the time. They didn't know that even if Northern Rock didn't physically have the cash in the branch, they were still protected, they mm. weren't losing their money and actually taking it out and yeah. sticking it under your mattress. It's such a bad idea. You get burgled and then you've actually lost it. It's not protected at all. Yeah, it's exactly for that reason why I've moved my toilet roll away from the window. <laughs> I don't want to get burgled. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got some stashed under my bed. I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is, obviously. I'm in your completely under but, your bed. Yeah, oh no, I've got a secret hideaway. It's in the safe under a combination. <laughs> Chucked all the money out, you can have that. It's good that to me. This podcast is sponsored by The Art of Finance. We'll make learning the world of finance interesting, modern and fun. Um, so what do you think about the stock market drop recently? How do you think that's going to affect people and what would be your advice for what to do? The stock market's gone absolutely insane and crashing and freaking people out. The, the way that it all bounces from one to another, the, the chain reaction that you get from mm. it is just absolutely nuts. don't know if we need to put a bit of context around what's actually happened. And why it's happened. Why markets are how they are and, and toilet roll aside, do. what you could actually do. Yeah. So if I'm sat in my house and my house is worth, say, £200,000 and the property market drops 25%, then it's worth 150 grand. If I'm not selling my house, it doesn't matter. It's, mm. it's still a house, it's still bricks and mortar on my head, and it's the and same And at some with point in six months' time, it might be worth 250,000. Exactly that, exactly yeah. That. Until you physically sell it, you haven't incurred a loss, and I think that's a lot of the problem in the stock markets at the moment. My, my stocks are going down, so I'll get out. It's the absolute worst, worst thing, thing people can do. Can do. It's really literally is. what I would suggest is you do the opposite. You, I, at the weekend, transferred money from my cash ISA into my stocks and shares ISA and started buying some low-priced funds and shares because now's yeah. the time to get them. Yeah. Get them now while they're low. It's like... Um, how we're always envious of the people who buy property when it's cheap and then yes. sell it when it's gone up because we've always done the reverse. Yes, I know. <laughs> the absolute opposite. But again, that's an emotional thing, isn't it? You it buy is. a house and you're ready to buy a house. You don't yeah. sit around, unless you're an investor in property, you don't sit around waiting for the markets to change. Well, but that you was my whole right problem. Again, it was the the market um, emotion that got me last time. So that was 2007. And it was property prices going up and up and up. Everybody's buying, everybody's buying. And I remember having the discussion of, everybody's buying a property, I need to buy one. I'll, I'll never be able to afford it if I don't yeah. get in now. Panic bought a property, and then two months later it crashed. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still paying for it to this day. It still just keeps going down and down and down in value. Um, and that's the thing, I think, when you make decisions, financial decisions driven by emotion, then it's not the right thing. If I just bought a property because I, I was in the right place to have one mm -hmm. and I had no plans on moving or selling it at any point, would have been a completely different scenario. It's easy to say make it without any emotion, make those decisions, yeah. but 
emotions are involved in everything that we do, sure. um, be it investing, be it buying property, be it looking for toilet paper. <laughs> it's very emotional. <laughs> it's very emotional. It will be emotional if we run out. The thing with stock prices is the market is trying to guess what's going to happen to those companies. So it's trying to guess what impact um, the situation will have on them, but not just the actual situation, the emotional response to the situation that we've talked about. So actually some companies will be really affected, not because they are suddenly not a viable company or because their product isn't needed anymore, but because of the way that people are responding. I think the worry as well with the markets from the stuff that I've read is that they just don't know how it's going to play out because the last big crisis in 2008 was a financial crisis. So it was the difficulty mm -hmm. with the banks, it was too much lending, it was all of it that. It was within it, was within the sector. Within the financial institutional sector caused a financial crash, whereas now you've got an external problem, this pandemic, causing a financial crash, and you've got the level of social media and news coverage. Mm -hmm. So there's you can't look back on history to see how this is going to play out or when, we might, when yeah. it might recover, and that's an extra, extra level mm -hmm. of the panic and what we're seeing. In one way, it's good to have lots of sources of information, but in another way, it's, it's distracting and it's yeah. dangerous because you don't actually know what to believe. There's a lot of assumptions being made and what people are thinking they should do and what they should do and the government advice and advice from different countries that I think actually the one person on the street doesn't really know what to do. And I think some of the stuff that we've talked about before in the podcast, your wills and we're talking about life insurance and it's the kind of things that you don't want to think about and that's why you don't do it. And then huge stock market crashes like this and huge global crises, you don't want to think about them, you don't think that they're just around the corner, it can just happen the next day as they mm -hmm. have done. Mm -hmm. And you don't realise how much that affects you as one person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so there yeah. is something about just having, not all of your finances in place, but having had all of this thinking, is that when stuff happens that's out of your control, which clearly can and does, you don't need to panic as much. You can just go, okay, well, it's, you know, I've got a plan mm -hmm. and I'll just stay firm and stick to it. In the same way that if you'd put in some money away or you'd so one month you'd sorted out your life insurance, mm -hmm. next month you'd sorted out some income protection, the month after you'd sorted out your wills or even, you know, every six months, you would feel secure in the fact that when something happened and there was yeah. a big crisis and something does happen and all of a sudden you, somebody's saying you might have to be off work for four months, you're prepared yeah. and it, yeah. it does take the panic away, it, does, it gives you some sort of security Definitely. to know that you've got plenty of toilet rolls and you can you know, afford to be off work if you need to be or you need to self-isolate. So yeah, I guess on the one hand it's easy to sit and say don't panic and I do think that is the right overall advice but that doesn't mean that there aren't any repercussions, it doesn't mean that there isn't going to be an impact because ultimately there is, it might be worth um, us talking a little bit about what that could look like mm -hmm. um, obviously without having a crystal ball but just based on how things could shape up I guess the thing with the values of companies dropping is the reality whether that's a true value drop or not the reality is it makes their shares less attractive it makes investors less keen to invest in them and that is the kind of thing that will impact on jobs ultimately you know there is a huge risk of redundancy happening and what we're talking about there isn't some companies will struggle even the big companies yeah. if we're on a forced lockdown for months yeah even huge companies like weatherspoon yeah or people like that um you know bars cinemas clubs those kind of things not even just the small independents the large large ones will yep. really genuinely struggle and so if a huge company like what we've seen with British Airways if somebody like that goes down the yeah. amount of jobs that we're talking about is, is a lot and then what we're going to have is a saturated market of people looking for jobs. Yeah exactly like there are certain sectors that have took the immediate hit obviously mm -hmm. the travel leisure as soon as you're on any kind of lockdown and yeah the reality is larger companies will often rely on 
outside investment or on bank loans. So that's one good thing where, because this is an external crisis, not a financial crisis, their bank support, whether it's kind of loans or debt or whatever it is, what shouldn't be pulled in the way that it was in 2008 mm -hmm. that was you know banks just went into lockdown themselves so that shouldn't happen but actually if you haven't got customers coming through the door and you haven't got people flying then it doesn't matter how supportive the government yeah you, you know okay. cash flow you need it and you're right whether it's a large company or small companies there's a lot of small businesses that you're talking about two or three months at least hit on their finances you know as a company you you don't often keep or it's not considered good practice to keep a huge amount in cash because you should be investing that cash mm -hmm. for growth and developing and pushing forward so i think unfortunately the reality is there is going to be real life repercussions and i don't think it's limited to any one sector and i don't think it's limited to any size business i think depending on the type of business you are, certain ones will be hit. And then depending on what your cash flow looks like, that's going to be kind of the other big angle that'll harm a lot of businesses. Um, and I guess the other sort of direct impacts then on people, so you mentioned sick pay. So that's something that, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? You don't think about it until you need it. Um, you might not know what your company's sick policy is. You might be one of those people who never take a day off work sick. Yeah. And then now actually you might be forced, forced to. to yeah, and exactly, you think, oh, yeah. actually, I don't know what would happen because yeah. I'm, I'm never off sick. It's just like my plan is to just never die. So therefore yeah. I don't need, you know, that, and that's the problem, isn't it? When you're thinking about your own financial planning or your own planning generally, and actually me as a business owner, when you think about your business planning, your default is to think, okay, well, I won't die anytime soon or I won't take time off sick. My business won't do a poor service. I won't die, but actually what this is reminding us is it's, it's out, out of your completely outside of your control sometimes and mm -hmm. you know this crisis could happen and it could affect my business and there is absolutely nothing I could have done to to change this. So you it, can protect it to a certain extent. Yeah. So yes, there is there is risk of redundancies, there's risk of having to go sick and if your sick pay is just statutory sick pay, you might struggle cash flow wise because I it's unlikely about, to be as much. Um, those people who are on zero hour contract, those True, who are, yeah. are on temporary contracts and actually if your company closes and says, we're only having 50% staff in, those are the people with the zero hour contracts who are likely not yeah. to get any work. Yeah. So it's something you need to be looking at and what else can you do? Well, this is where the starting point in finance is always to have your own personal emergency fund. Like we've mm -hmm. mentioned it a few times in previous podcasts and the guidance is anywhere from three to six months. And again, you just think, when would I, when would I suddenly have yeah. no income for three I've months? I've got um, sick pay at work. I would um, never I be off work for three months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. There's a reason for having an emergency fund. And, it and if you don't have it now, it's too late. Don't worry, we'll get through this crisis but actually plan for your next Absolutely. one plan for your next crisis if you've got six months cash in the bank um you you're not panicking about what happens if i have to take two weeks off work and yeah. i don't get paid yeah you know that's it's called an emergency fund for emergencies yeah. and this is an emergency If we think of the impact then of markets going down and what that means for people, for their pensions, for their investments, and if you've already got an ISA, we've talked about the fact that the worst thing you could do is panic and sell out. Absolutely, um, you just well, be a loss. If you keep it in there, it'll go back up. Yeah, yeah um, it's a paper loss. But actually, if you take it out, it's a real loss. Yeah, exactly. So actually, that. don't take it out. I guess the challenge is well, there's two things. So first, this is why when we talk about investing, we always say it should be for the medium to long term because Five years you plus. shouldn't you shouldn't have put money in in January this year thinking I'm going to invest, but only for six months. I need to take it out in June because you would be sat here now on a huge loss and no time to have 
less money than what you had in January, yeah. But that is the problem, is where there's people who are at retirement and they are drawing from their pension and actually you need an income from it. Well, unless you need to draw from all of it, yeah. it's, it's not as bad as you think. Draw only what you need. And actually, if you're self-isolating and you're in the house for six months, you're probably going to need less money. You can't go on holiday. Yep. You can't go out to eat or drink or, you know, what you would normally spend extra money on. Yeah, but then all of this reined in is what's going to cause the recession as well, isn't it, once yeah. people are spending less. The other thing for people with pension funds is we're talking there about having your own personal pension. Um, if you're part of a company pension, especially a defined benefit one. What people would call final salary pension. Final salary pension. There is an impact because actually that pension value will have gone down, so its ability to meet all of its liabilities and pay your income will have reduced as well but again unless you're planning on retiring next month or a whole bunch of you are retiring next month or this year then it's not a problem it will come back but it it's that it's that trying not to panic and letting it kind of ride that mm -hmm. that wave if you're at do. retirement and you've got one of those pension funds my advice would be to just hang on if you can and to be honest i've got a pension and an isa and i haven't dared log into my account to look at them because i'll see that they've gone down and no matter all the logic in the world and no matter what I understand about it, it will freak me out. It, it will absolutely awful, do my it? head in, seeing that figure being so much lower than it was. And so I'm literally in denial mode about it. But if you go in and you're looking at your investments and you're seeing it going down and down, you, you know, you will absolutely panic. I've read something that said, um, just throw away your online passwords, like just mm -hmm. forget about them. As long as you don't need to draw from them, just don't look at it, just don't do anything, kind of leave it be. I was just thinking, because me and Kathy have this thing called the denial nest, where we just like crawl in and we ignore yeah. stuff, and we, we crawl do. in there and it's nice and warm and oh, tidy, it's so lovely. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is make you look at it. <laughs> Grab your Mac, <laughs> log in, don't make those <laughs> noises. Go in, look at it, and do not react. Do not react? <laughs> well, do tell not sell. sell. Do not sell. 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 Right, go right, on. Right, let logged me in. see. Oh, I feel really weird about it. Why are you shaking your hands like, like that? I don't like seeing how much it's gone down by. Do you not feel better for just looking at it? You know how denial nests work, Joe, and <laughs> shining a light on things is not the way to feel better. Oh, so that's down, obviously. Let me work out how much everything's down by. Doesn't say that's a thing. It just shows an amount, but I don't like. Can't remember what it was. Actually, before. yeah, and it's quite um, quite good because I think if they just put a big downward line, mm. I'd be freaking out. However, I'm going to work it out, so I'll still freak out. Who's your um, pension and ISA with? It's with Interactive Investor, which used to be Alliance Trust. Mm. Right, so my ISA's down 11 percent. Yeah. I feel like that's not too bad. Exactly. Not as bad as you thought. Not as bad as I thought. Actually, it really is. It's going to be 20%. It's going to be zero. You've actually got 9% there because you thought it was going to be 20%. <laughs> just gained. I'm going to go buy 9%. <laughs> go buy some shoes with my free 9%. <laughs> and my pension's done 13%. Still? An extra 7% you thought you didn't have? Yeah. And it might go down further, but it's not real money. You're not taking any. You obviously can't take any money out of your pension. You're not 55 till next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also I've just freed up some space in my denial nest. I wonder if I can shove in there now. <laughs> um, just the whole coronavirus. Uh, we're due my to lack go of toilet rolls. <laughs> yes, yeah. 12%, it's not ideal. No. Nope. You know, let's round it. It's 10%. It's gone down 10%. Um, <laughs> Good denial nest work. Absolutely. It's nice and warm in here. It's not too bad. The minute, yes, we may be looking at a recession. We, you know, we're in that cycle, but we've been there before and it comes back around. What are the economic cycles again? Recession contraction expansion 
Boom. I mean, boom. <laughs> boom. Mic drop. It's a mic drop of macroeconomics. Um, so at the minute, yes, we potentially might go into a recession, but it will eventually come back up. The interest rates, you know, being low, great for people who are borrowing, who are getting mortgages, that kind of thing. The property market will benefit from the equity market being low. Well, I mean, even before coronavirus, absolutely, there was a recession on the horizon. We've already discussed this in work. We were saying sort of some of our business plans, we were factoring in what we would do in terms of a recession just by the sheer fact that they are it inevitable. They have to come around They again. have to happen. And I think the coronavirus has maybe just brought it forward and it's escalated what was kind of coming anyway. It is a cycle. It will go all the way back around. I think because we're not yet in recession, we are just in contraction. And because we're still at the early stage of the coronavirus pandemic, I'm down 12% now. I wouldn't be at all surprised if I'm down 25% by the time it mm -hmm. kind of bottoms out. But even that... But if you keep investing now, at tw it, you know, the, when the prices are so low, that when it does start to go up, you're going to feel the benefit of the money that you put in when the prices were low. I feel the benefit like when you put your coat on. Absolutely like that, yeah. You're going to feel the benefit of all them stockpiled toilet rolls you've got in your denial nest. So remember the Bank of England stole the budget's limelight and yeah. just dramatically dropped interest rates from 0.75 to 0.25. What do you think that means for most people? For mortgages, people yes. who are looking to borrow. So if you're looking to buy a house at this time, you're looking to get a mortgage, it seems that your mortgage rate will be a bit lower. So that's always a good thing. Unless you fixed a mortgage the night before it happened. Almost. It would be so ironic if someone fixed their mortgage 12 hours before 12 the announcement. 12 hours. When you get a text minutes. at 8 o'clock on the night saying your mortgage deal on this fixed rate has completed and then at 8 o'clock the next morning, interest rates drop half a percent and you don't get that benefit. Yeah, that would be very poor. Imagine if that happened to somebody in finance. Somebody in finance who does a finance podcast as well and just all day every day thinks about finance. It'd be mm. awkward. The other thing with the, I guess the point of the interest rate drop is to encourage people to spend. Mm -hmm. So again, this comes back to what happened in 2007, 2008, where mortgage interest, well, where Bank of England interest rates and therefore mortgage interest rates went down and down and down. And pretty much every month they took another 0.25 off. And I think you, were you the same as me? In that yet again, me and my awful property slash mortgage choices was one of the only people I knew at the time on a fixed rate. So every month um, the interest rates went down and everybody around me went, oh, my mortgage is cheaper. And I was like, nope, still the same. <laughs> still hasn't gone down. Um, yes, I was. But also there's just something about having the certainty of knowing exactly how much you're paying each month. Yeah, because again, it's a, gamb interest. it's a gamble, though, isn't it? Because actually if the interest rates started to grow yeah, and then everyone's increasing. going, oh, my mortgage has gone up another 50 True. quid this month. It's yeah. a lot of money to pull out if you don't know what you're going to be paying for. Never flipping happened um, I did it. But I guess the, the point of it... <laughs> I guess the point of it, well, the point of it is, same as they did then, same as they're doing now, it's to people who are on standard variable rates or about to take out a mortgage, their monthly payments will be lower. And people who have any kind of borrowing, any kind of loans or credit cards, again, that should be passed on. The aim is to make people feel wealthier so that they continue spending. So when, mm -hmm. on the one hand, coronavirus is... the economy. Exactly that. So on the one hand, coronavirus is slowing down spending. If people can feel a bit wealthier in other areas, then they'll be more inclined to go out. Whereas if interest rates are really high, you'd be feeling the pinch in all areas. Yeah. And, you'd be spending and you know, we know that big companies need no excuse to kind of add costs to their, you know, basket goods. So yeah. everything goes up. So the slashing interest rates kind of takes 
that power away from them. They can't say, you know, cost of everything's gone up, the cost of borrowing on my company's gone up, so, you know, I'm going to have to charge you more for cream eggs. Um, they can't do that because, actually, the Bank of England are saying, yeah. no, we're keeping this at a really low low level, so actually don't pass this on to the consumer. Yeah. So, actually, you shouldn't then, therefore, be seeing larger costs in everyday life. Which is the same as well, I guess, for all businesses, so those who might have cash flow problems. And the budget backed that up. The budget was all about Absolutely. supporting that spending, knowing yeah. that this is something that's going to happen. And the small businesses that might have cash flow issues, it's cheaper for them to borrow to keep mm -hmm. their businesses going as well. So what kind of things do people need to be thinking about now in terms of their finances? You mentioned about sick pay, so it's speaking yep. to their employers, looking into their contracts. There was a change in the budget to say that you should, if you're entitled to SSP, which is statutory sick pay, you should be able to get it from the day one. Um, if, if it's coronavirus if illness it's corona related. Yeah, sorry. So if you've been told you need to isolate. <laughs> I'm just somebody with a bad toe. I just have <laughs> work for a month. <laughs> Um, so yeah, typically statutory sick pay kicks in after day four. So if you starts are, on day four, yeah, starts after on day, day three. Um, so if you are off ill with a poorly tour, for example, if you're off for three days, you basically wouldn't have any pay. But if you were off for longer, if it was a really bad wound on your tour, it would kick in after day four. However, if you're off with the coronavirus, then um, it will kick in from day one if, they've, yeah. if, they've, if you've been told to isolate. I think it's worth people just having a look at statutory sick pay. It's not very high. And the fact is, if you do need to be off, and your wage is going to drop down to statutory sick pay for a week, two weeks, however long you're kind of isolating for, it could have an impact on cash flow. So they, mm -hmm. they should be looking into that. Um, but also checking your contract because some companies might offer more. Some companies are still paying more because of the nature mm -hmm. of the crisis and exactly what it is. And they don't want people to be so worried about their income dropping that they come in and risk infecting everybody else. Like actually, they would rather you just stayed at home. And there's also the option if you may be told to self-isolate, but you actually don't feel ill. So is there anything else you can do in the business? Is there something you can do from home? Can you be of use in another way so you can actually still be paid and you're yeah. not having to go off sick when you actually don't feel that sick? Yeah, that's um, it, yeah. You know, also for those people who've got children, if your children are told to stay at home, see what the works policy is on having to stay at home to look after children. So, you know, just have a word with them. I'm sure companies are wanting to do as much as they can. We're all yeah. in the same boat. Just speak to your employer and see what you can work out between you for your circumstances. And there's also, um, what things can you cancel? Fund, you need you to know, drop like your gym or subscription for, you know, loads of different things. What can you look to reduce? Um, but again, I would say don't panic, cancel no, them, no. because actually you're adding to the problem. But it's, it's knowing your options, isn't it? It's knowing what your income could potentially end up reducing to in a worst case scenario and what your expenses could potentially be reduced to if you need to in a worst case scenario mm -hmm. and it's, it's probably half an hour of your time to sit and get these figures together and just get that peace of mind like I just did with my um, ISA and my pension actually just knowing how it looks and what could happen and it means that should mm -hmm. it happen you're going to panic a whole load less because you've already got a contingency plan in place. Absolutely. Anyone who's looking to travel speak to either your travel operator or the travel insurance. Again it's such an unusual situation isn't it that normally you would have your policy documents and you would just look at them but so many companies are offering more or different terms to what's kind of standard because yep. like, you've got that with your cruise haven't you that they're offering. Yeah you know, so I'm doing to go on a cruise on the 6th of June they've come back to me and said I can have either 100% refund but in cruise vouchers so I'd have to re-cruise with them at another point but if I do decide to cruise on the 6th of June they gave me £400 um, to spend on board if I was over 70 or 
had underlying health conditions, 125% as a refund. They're actually almost paying people not to take the risk and go on the cruise. 125% yeah, so refund. Yeah, oh, well, right. it's not a full refund. It's a future cruise. As a cost. Yeah. Oh, okay. So again, it's just such an unusual situation. It is such an unusual different... situation. And that's just one example. But actually, I also supposed to go in a, a few weeks to Spain, which isn't looking likely. But I just did that cheaply so booked with Ryanair booked my parking booked hotel with Alpha Rooms and they're, they've all got different policies they've right, all got yeah. different options and some of them are working on a seven day turnaround time of deciding what they're going to do some are working on a 14 day turnaround time and really all I can do is sit and wait and see yeah. if I get to go on. So I guess the immediate impact then would be on potentially on your cash flow if your mm -hmm. income does reduce because of sickness so it's looking at what your outgoings are what your absolute essentials are you know credit cards normally you wouldn't be kind of gone for minimum payment but it might be that there is a bit of a buffer there and you mm -hmm. can just reduce your outgoings on it mortgages you know worst case scenario i had to do this back in the last crisis i had to get a mortgage repayment holiday mm -hmm. and it's not ideal because all that happens is say if your mortgage is 500 pound a month and you take a three-month repayment holiday so that 1500 pound gets added on to your mortgage and obviously then you've just got more interest to pay on it over the, mm -hmm. the lifetime but i did it when i'd started the business and we were in the middle of a credit crunch and it, it gave me so much breathing space it actually just allowed me to get on top of everything else so not necessarily rushing out and doing them but knowing what your options are Italy has announced that everybody can take a repayment on their mortgage and oh, they've actually enforced it on the mortgage companies. They've done it as a way of stopping people from um, panicking and spending less. It's kind of given them that breathing space. The government have promised to kind of support the mortgage companies with it and the impact it'll then have on their cash flow. And obviously the, what they don't want is people to just start defaulting on the mortgages and then it just creates mm. a whole extra problem. Um, but when I looked into it, so in the average Mo um, rent monthly payment is higher than the average mortgage monthly payment but the people you would be saving payments on would be the mortgage ones mm -hmm. and not the rents and actually can't you know exactly you can't do that. anything on the rent so side. the guy who rents my house is just self-employed and he works you know as a gardener for a lot of older people those people who are going to be he'll struggle to get work which means he'll then struggle to pay the rent which means then because i'm soft as crap we'll say yeah you can have a rent holiday you know because i am so soft but those are the people who will, people who, you know, genuinely trying to yeah. better their lives and pay the rent. And so they'll struggle more than me to pay my mortgage. I'm way too soft. I really am. So I guess what people should be doing is they need to know their options, don't they? They need to know where yeah. they stand. They need to know their incomings, their outgoings. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. All the stuff that we've talked about in the past, these are all things that are ongoing financial planning and mm -hmm. it's times like this, to quote the Foo Fighters, that you, not that you learn to live again, but that you realise the <laughs> point of it and, and kind of the impact. So I guess even if that stuff's not already in place now, kind of your short-term emergency planning is your cash flow for the next sort of few months and not overreacting to the markets and just starting to get all these foundations in place so that the next time there is another global crisis which there inevitably will be you feel you next time it might be the aliens could be the aliens um, did you see something that was um 2020 is attacking us 
alphabetically. So, oh no, not 2020, so the current government is attacking us alphabetically. So firstly it was austerity, then it was Brexit, now it's coronavirus. Oh, what's next? Dance fever. <laughs> you know like that one, no, that one like from the med medieval France where they all died from dancing? No. That dance fever. Oh, look it up. No. Yes, so these people just started dancing and nobody knew while they were dancing and then other people started dancing and they danced till they died. It's a real thing. No. Honestly, dance fever, it's called like... I want to say St. Vitus dance, but that's right, because I'm a geek. But Google Medieval it. dance of death? Yeah. Dance macabre? Macabre. Oh. Like you say it, macabre. The dance of death? Yeah. No, it's an artistic genre of allegory. Oh, well, that's a different one then, isn't it? Dance macabre, that's something different, that. Oh, dance fever. But if I, you know what's going to come up if we put Saint dance Vitus fever? St. Vitus dance. Who? St. Vitus. Disorder characterised by rapid, uncoordinated, jerking movements. <laughs> was that like you out in Manchester last Friday? It was. Um, Primarily affecting the face, hands and feet. Dance to death um, <laughs> history. In July 1518, residents of the city of Strasbourg, then part of the Holy Roman Empire, were struck by a sudden and seemingly uncontrollable urge to dance. Many dancers collapsed from sheer exhaustion. Some died from strokes and heart attacks. <gasps> dance to death. The dancing plague of 1518. That's what we're going to get, the dancing plague. <laughs> oh, you know, death. <laughs> death might be. It might be death. Might be death. It might not be the dancing death. I hope it's the dancing death. Though. Oh, I kind of do. <laughs> uh. We need to say thank you to everybody who's helped pull this together today. So yeah. Mark and Glenn at Second Draft. Thanks, guys. Nat and Norm in marketing, who have now set up our. Sexy new Twitter account, which is at that mint podcast. Great. People send us a message. Send yeah. us a message. Give us Drop a follow. Us yeah. Um, you could email as well. So actually, I think something that'd be good in future is if we can pick up some questions from people and answer them. So that would be hello at thatmintpodcast.co.uk. Um, and just thank you, I guess, to the Art Finance for its support and the overall Verve Group for helping us put this podcast on. Yeah. Thanks, guys.